Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com give. Enjoy the message. Hello, Timberlake. Welcome. My name's Rick, and I, I want to welcome those who are joining us live online, as well as those of us who are uh, leaning in from all the, our various campuses. It's so great that you're here. Uh, I want to start with this surgically repaired thumb. It's very difficult not to be optimistic with a brace like this. <laughs> even, when I'm, even when I'm not feeling very well, people say, how are you doing? I'm like, right there. It's kind of been an attitude adjustment for me, so that's awesome. But yes, I want to make sure that, that I learned a lesson on all of our behalves when I uh, had this accident. I, uh, I would just say this, never push down on that last bag of garbage if there's a glass vase in that bag of garbage that's going to break and uh, lacerate your arm. Also, especially so if you're the one who put the glass vase in the garbage three days earlier. So. <laughs> makes you more of an idiot than, than normal. But it was a, a really cool opportunity to meet a surgical team and to be in a trauma uh, situation. Um, so that was great. Uh, we went to urgent care, which in our community is kind of like more like not urgent, don't care. But anyway, we went there. <laughs> and after a while, they took a look at what had happened as, uh, you know, I had this huge slash in my wrist. And they immediately sent us to the trauma center in Tacoma. And uh, our trauma center's uh, they, they change every other night in our, in our city between St. Joseph's Hospital and Tacoma General. So they, we went to TG Tacoma General, and they had a room already. It was kind of freaking me out that I was in a trauma, you know, and it was like triage and this whole thing. So I got in there, and as soon as uh, they took a look at it, they asked my wife, who'd uh, driven uh, me to the place, you know, they asked her to leave the room. And so she left the room, and then uh, this attending physician said to me, now, I know, okay, the garbage story, you know, uh, but he said, I'm going to ask you a serious question. Do you live in fear at your home? And I said, well, our nation's current policy on climate change has me freaked out. You know, so I, that's what I said. And he said, that's not funny. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, it was, you know, because what, really what was happening is, obviously, something violent had happened. And they were trying to determine, you know, the cause, right? And uh, I'm, I'm really kind of grateful that they actually uh, pursue that line of questioning. In my case, it was just stupidity. But as a result, I've had this, uh, this opportunity to, uh, you know, go through what's uh, the very first stages of physical therapy. And it's just a wonderful physical therapist is trying to help me. And this is what uh, she told me the first trip I went there. She said, okay, what we're going to do for you is we're going to work you back up to primate, because I don't have an opposable thumb working on this side. So now I guess I'm like a tripod vertebrate or something. I'm not, I'm not really a primate anymore. And so she says, you know, and she, I'm trying to put my fingers together. And this is what she said. This injury has caused you to lose your grip. And I said, well, you know, physically that's true, okay? So hopefully not in every other sense. But the whole idea of having the ability to hang on to something is something that I underappreciated. Because I just could always do it, right? 
And now I can't, and I have to pursue this course of physical therapy. Uh, the good news is they said that the surgery that reconnected the extensor tendons in my thumb is a very simple surgery, but the recovery is a little bit extended, so I got to wear this optimistic brace around. And uh, so the thing that's interesting about that whole experience is that I've been thinking about this weekend, and the word that I want to convey, and that I'll say quite a few times so that you can't hardly forget it by the time we're done, is the word tenacity. Tenacity, because we're talking about game, what, what changes the game in our lives? What's a game-changing uh, uh, attribute or character skill, right? What, what describes someone who's a real game-changer? And tenacity is the thing that I want to talk about. And the word tenacity actually means to grab hold and hang on to something. That's what it means. It's, it's not losing your grip. And so I think it's an important thing for us to think about. And certainly, uh, as the... Uh, the attending physician asked about the question about violence. It's true that when violence happens in our lives, in any, any way, when something ha- has incurred uh, injury, that it's easy for us to lose our grip, right? You know, we can lose our grip on justice, on ethics, on a sense of right and wrong. We can lose our grip on the things that are most important when we've incurred an injury or we've been uh, s- sort of the, the subject of violence, Right? So what we do in, in light of that is uh, we, we try to, we think, okay, uh, we'll make New Year's resolutions to try to, you know, once again get our grip, right? And so it's that time of year and, uh, you know, where we're all kind of either hanging in there or not so much, right? Like I, I made a few this year. I don't usually do too many so I can try to really maintain. But uh, the first one I, I thought, you know, what I'm going to do this year, I'm going to be more decisive. And then I thought... I can't really think of anything else. So uh, that was the first one. And then I thought, well, maybe that's not going to work for me. Maybe I'll be more assertive. Then I thought, if that's okay with you guys. You know, I mean, like, in fact, uh, I talked to a guy uh, yesterday who said, I go, how's your resolution going? He goes, I only made one resolution this year, less use of my cell phone. And I go, oh, good. How are you going to do that? He goes, I said, "Uh, Siri, uh, please remind me not to use this. So that's how he's doing it, you know. So I'm not sure that's going to work. But see, the whole idea uh, I noticed of our resolution making is it's more about letting go of something a lot of times instead of hanging on. So our our resolutions are not so tenacious-based, right? They're more uh, sort of avoidance-based. So we try to let go of things. Like, for instance, um, you know, there's a lot of us will will say, okay, I'm going to let go of uh, some, you know, overconsumption, or I'm going to let go of, uh, you know, making that den on the couch, or, you know, whatever. But... The idea uh, of being a game changer is not about letting go of things, but holding on to the things that matter. That's what tenacity is. And I think that the things that matter most in our lives, and we know this, is uh, each other, right? Relationships, things that, that are really game changers in our lives. But um, we need to kind of just think about tenacity for a little while and, and uh, sort of ask ourselves some important questions. So the first thing I wanted to mention about tenacity, when I say hanging on to something, it's, uh, it doesn't mean starting over, okay? It means starting again. Because guess what? You're not a tenacious person if you're a person who has to start over, because there's some things we can't start over. Some of us have had the diagnosis of cancer. We can't start over, but we can start again. Some of us, the divorce is final. We can't start over, but we can start again. When we've lost a child or a parent We can't start over, but we can start again. So tenacity is not about saying, okay, I'm going to get a whole do-over. No, many times in this life, we can't go back 
hey, I'd like to start over on bringing that bag of garbage out. You know, if I could just do that again and not incur this injury, but guess what? I can't, but I can start again. And that's what therapy and all, all the things that, you know, that are corrective in my life are all about. And spiritual tenacity is not recovery, all right? That's important, I think, for us to clarify. And uh, there's a guy that uh, has been a big influence on myself, and I've given his book away, I don't know, like maybe 100 times. It's, it's a book that's been very helpful in working with people that, are, that have incurred um, extreme loss, right, that, that can't start over. And uh, his book is called A Grace Disguised. His name is Gerald Sitzer, and Gerald is a professor at Whitworth in Spokane. And um, he was driving uh, a minivan um, in 1991 in September, and uh, a drunk driver crossed over and uh, hit head-on in this van. And he had to take care of and do you know, private triage an hour out of town before anybody could get to him on his own family. And uh, his son and daughters uh, survived, but his wife, whose name was Linda, and his four-year-old daughter, Diana Jane, and his mother, Grace, all passed away in this accident. And this book is about the loss of a wife, a daughter, and a mother at a single time. And trying to find how grace can possibly be a part uh, of irreversible loss. And he's so honest. I, I just think that if you have experienced any kind of irreversible loss, whether it's death, divorce, or, or, or even a diagnosis, even if it's a, a disability, that Gerald Sitzer's book is just a great, great resource. One of the things he says is this. Recovery is a misleading and empty expectation. Now, you know, he's talking about if you try to say, you know, I'm going to be a tenacious person, I'm going to recover, because you can't recover what is irreversibly lost. He said this, we recover from broken limbs, right here, okay? We don't recover from amputations. And so what I'm, the reason I'm bringing that up is that I want us to realize that tenacity is still an option for those of us who have experienced irreversible loss, because tenacity is not recovery, it's hanging on, and it's, it's starting again, even when we can't start over. Starting again. And so with death, disability, divorce, all those kinds of things that are irreversible, we're, we're, we can still demonstrate spiritual tenacity. We say, God, what is next? And that's where we find the grace. So we want to just, I want to take a little tour through a, a, a story that Jesus taught and it's, it's called a parable. Jesus taught with a lot of, uh, you know, narrative story kind of illustrations and, and uh, helped people like myself understand what he was talking about. But a lot of times he'd tell a story and then people would say, what was that? What is that story about? And then he would kind of help explain it or sometimes he wouldn't and we'd have to sort of, you know, try to figure out what was going on. But in a particular chapter in uh, the gospel called Luke in the new part of the Bible, Jesus actually tells a couple of stories and he tells what the story is about before he tells the story which is very helpful, because he says, okay, I'm going to tell you a story, and this is why I'm telling it. So in Luke 18.1, uh, uh, we, really, we learn that spiritual tenacity is God's will. It's God's idea to be a spiritually tenacious person. And so it says here in Luke 18.1, Jesus told his followers, his disciples, his closest friends, a story, a parable, to show them what? That they should always pray and never give up. To pray and not give up. And the word prayer in the, in the original language here, which is the Greek language, is uh, the word that's used for 
worship or uh, to be someone in supplication. What it means is someone who is always in conversation with God. Like never give up your conversation with God so that when you get up in the morning, you're like, okay, God, I'm not sure what you have planned for me today, but I'm gonna pay attention. Oh, I wonder, okay, God, do you want me to cross paths with that person? Oh, hey, God, are you helping me pay attention to something here I would have walked right past? Okay, God, what do you want me to do with my resources? What do you want me to do with my, just always, it's ongoing conversation and don't give up the conversation, especially when it comes to things that are not right. So that we don't go to sleep and we walk right past things that are wrong. And that's what this weekend is, is so important for us to, to pause and remember. Because spiritual tenacity is not only God's will and God's idea, but it speaks up for justice. That's what this story was all about. So Jesus is going to tell a story. He's going to remind all of us to be spiritually tenacious, right? So then he tells this story. And this story is all about speaking up for justice. So here's what he says in Luke 18. He said, in a certain town, so go ahead, Redmond, Issaquah, wherever, you know, pick a town, there was a judge, so a person of great power, a person of influence. In those days, a judge was more than just a judicial character, but was actually, you know, a political leader. He was uh, uh, a person who had a tremendous influence most of the time. Most, the most affluent person was selected, you know, to, to uh, fill this role. And there were a lot of times judges were, were actually connected as the chief landowners, so, you know, it's a very, very important person, right? But this person uh, neither cared, neither feared God or cared what people thought, right? So what Jesus is describing this guy, this super powerful person who could just care less. I don't care what you think. I don't care what God thinks. It just has a terrible attitude, but has all the power, right? This is the kind of person you would ask, uh, would you rather be ignorant or apathetic? And he would say, I don't know and I don't care. You know? So just, you know, just a, a deadly combination, right? Ignorance and apathy. And so Jesus sets everybody up with this story about this. This is kind of a bad idea to have somebody in such an important, powerful role who could give a rip. But he says, there was a widow in that town. Now here's a person who has zero power, especially in that, in that context in those days. I mean, even in uh, present uh, days, uh, what happens a lot of times in the Middle East in different cultures is uh, your immediate biological family is responsible for you as, uh, as a woman. They're responsible for your welfare. And then once you get married, they're not responsible for you anymore. Uh, your husband's family has to take care of you. And once your husband dies, neither one of the families will receive you back. So you're just on your own and you're powerless. That's why the Bible continually says, and Jesus is always saying, it's the widow and the orphan who is defenseless and helpless and, and in a position to be the most victimized of all, right? You know, and even victimized by religion. Jesus was in the temple one day and he saw this little widow and she was putting in all the money she had. And he said, look, at this temple system is victimizing the person who is least capable of being involved here. So he always was looking out for the people that were the, the, the powerless. And he asks us to do the same. That's what Jesus is saying in this story. And this widow, this little powerless uh, woman in that same town, she kept coming to the judge who could give a rip, and she kept asking for justice. Give me justice against those who are trying to take advantage of me, against those who have targeted me, right? She's the original uh, hashtag me too widow. 
She's saying, listen, I'm, I'm naming names, and there are people who, who, have, who, who are really involved in, in taking advantage of who I am because of my powerless you know, situation. So that's the story Jesus is telling. He's telling, so there's a powerful guy who could give a rip, and this little widow has no power, and she is just tenacious. Spiritually, just will not stop asking for justice. You know, Dr. King, he said this. He said, in the end, which is, you know, if he was alive today, he'd say at the end of the day, because that's our, you know, the way we say it. But he said, in the end, it's not the words of your enemies that matter. It's the silence of your friends. It's those who stop asking for justice. We just get, we, we lose our tenacity. We, we lose uh, our grip on the fact that this isn't right. We just start to think, well, nothing's ever going to happen. Uh, nothing will ever, you know, change in my lifetime. And we just grow silent when it comes to justice. And Jesus is saying, no. I want to tell you a story so that you will always be in conversation with God and you will never stop raising your voice for justice. That's the story he's telling. And this story about spiritual tenacity ends up being very compelling, right? It even compels this really bad, you know, judge to act on behalf of the lady. I love this first line in in the next part of the story. Jesus said, for some time... This guy refused for some time, but finally. Man, I think if Dr. King were here, you know, I could, I could write a sermon for him and he could say that, for, you know. But for some time, he refused. But finally, right, finally, he said to himself, I'm going to give this woman justice. And, you know, that's, that's the story of our lives. Many of us are, we're in there somewhere. For some time, we've been facing the difficulty we're facing. But we have to believe with a tenacious spirit that finally God's going to come through. For some time, we've been walking through grief, but finally, we're going to see grace in what has happened in our lives. For some time, we've had great questions about you know, what's really going on in our universe, but finally, and we have to have this faith. This is tenacious faith. And it says, finally, this is such an interesting thing. Uh, the guy says, even though I don't fear God or care what people think. <laughs> so he already knew that about himself in Jesus' story, you know. Uh, it's so funny, too, because we know how rotten we are. Like, we don't need somebody to tell us, you know what? You're no good. I know that. I'm an expert on me being no good, right? I can get a PhD in me and no good. I know that I'm no good. And this guy's saying, look, I know, I, you know, I could give a rip. I had this cavalier attitude. And that's why when God comes to us, it's so cool to see that Jesus doesn't tell people you know, how bad they are. He calls them out of that. He takes hold of them. And he demonstrates tenacity in the fact that he will never let go of us. And then he actually says this, I'm going to give this widow uh, you know, what she's asking for because she's bothering me. And I will see to it that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. Pretty soon she'll be posting about me. That's what he's saying. So he's saying that this spiritually tenacious, powerless person is not powerless at all. That this, this tenacity, this ability to say, I will not give up on, on, on asking for change so that things can be set right. I will not give up. It's compelling. It even compels someone who gives a rip. It, we change the world. It's not dependent on the response of someone who's cavalier 
it, it moves them from being cavalier to being compelled to do something. Now, it's interesting when you read this parable, uh, it could be misread. You go, oh, it's a story about God who doesn't give a rip, and we just bug him. Like, we just pray all the time, even though nothing happens. We just keep praying. Finally, God's like, man, am I sick of hearing your prayers? You know, okay, I'll give you what I want. And then Jesus is careful to help us understand that's not the point. The parable always has one point, not like a whole cluster of points. You know, you can kind of wander off on parables and start making points, which I probably already have tonight. But here's the thing. Jesus says the following. Uh, Jesus said to to them, listen to what this unjust judge said. What did he say? He said, like, I'll grant justice. Then he says, look... God is not that kind of judge. Will God not bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him? And he's he's basically making the case for the fact that, look, God will not put us off. He will, I tell you, Jesus said, he will see that we get justice and how? Quickly. So he's saying that this story is in contrast to God. He's telling the story that even someone who is not remotely God-like is still compelled by this tenacious spirit and so Jesus is trying to teach us a lesson not about the judge but about the woman the unusual one of the things about interpreting parables is you say what's un- who's the unusual one in this parable right like you know when the parable of the prodigal son some of you have read that before if you're not familiar it's you know but the unusual character in that story is the father not the son it should be the prodigal father right it's the father who's unusual who receives his son back. In this case, it's the little widow. That's the unusual one, who would, was powerless but would not stop. Spiritually tenacious. You know, Jesus said that. He, told, he said, listen, there's going to be people who, uh, they see someone hungry, right? He said, I was hungry, and you fed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was a stranger, you welcomed me in, right? I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. That's what he said. Well, the verb in, tenses in that uh, expression by Jesus, is, he's saying this, look, I was hungry, and you just kept feeding me. You know here at Timberlake, we've done a lot of things. We reach out to our community, go on all kinds, of, and we, we could say to ourselves, we've done it. Build a house in Mexico, we're done. You know, reached out, helped some folks that were having a tough time, we're done. We've covered all the bases, you know. That's not tenacity. We don't want to let go of that. Yeah, we have, we have been involved, and we're going to keep being involved. Like, I was hungry, and you kept feeding me. You kept reaching out to me. You kept inviting me. It is a, the verb tense is an active and pursuant tense. It means we will not stop standing for justice. We're not going to say we, we did it, you know, because it's about who we are. And this is what Jesus called us to. And then he asked this very important, what I call tenacity question. So he tells this whole story, and at the end he says this. When the Son of Man comes, so he's saying, you know, upon arrival, you know, at at the end of time, at the end of our age, right, will he find faith on the earth? What's he saying? He's saying, listen, again, in the big picture, after over time, are the followers of Christ going to still be standing up tenacious spiritual vigor and saying we care about justice jesus is asking that question if jesus shows up today is he going to find us at work tirelessly holding on to what is right and important that's the question and it's an important question to ask ourselves when the son of man comes he says 
Will he find the church that he, that he started continuing to be the tenacious spiritual church? And this is the question that we have to ask ourselves. And it's so easy for us to, to start to kind of live in, in, you know, in our world and then just begin to think, well, that's just the way it is. And you know, we're just going to have to adapt ourselves to things that are unjust. And I'm here to encourage us to not do that. To say, I will not lose my grip on what is right. And those who are powerless must be defended. And we must raise our voices and we must never stop. One of the great gifts I had this last year was uh, World Vision, which is a, a tremendous uh, um, organization that, that uh, cares for the, the, the least and the lost and, the, and uh, those who are, uh, have no power in parts of the world. Uh, they uh, invited me to an advocacy uh, sort of training, and, and I ended up then uh, going uh, to Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., and visiting uh, House of Representative offices and, and, and advocating on behalf of the poor. And I didn't know how to do this. And they were, such, they were so cool about teaching me this. And what I found out, it was, it was like, I just felt like, man, this is what, I believe, you know, I'm doing God's work here. Because it wasn't, I wasn't advocating for a political party, I wasn't advocating for a candidate. I was advocating for the poor. And I would just say, I'm here, and I'm a pastor, and I'm you know, from this district, and I care about the poor, and I care about foreign aid, and I care about the work around the world that World Vision is doing, and I'm asking you to continue supporting them. And it was, it was an opportunity to just get in the game and allow my voice to be heard when it comes to justice. And I gotta tell you, I had not been doing that, right? And, uh, and now, uh, because they help me understand you know, how easy it is, I just make a phone call to my representative's office you know, uh, every month and just say, look, I, I still find these things very important, and I appreciate you know, if you could support uh, those initiatives that are helping the people that have no voice, and I'm just, I'm just not going to stop. Because Jesus is calling us to a spiritual tenacity. That's a game changer. When we don't let go, we don't lose our grip. And, uh, and yet, like I said, sometimes when you, you know, when you incur injury, it takes you a while to get your grip back, right? And so I just wanted to comment on three characteristics from this story that you've already probably observed. Three things uh, that tenacious, spiritually tenacious people are, okay? First thing, they're prayerful. Jesus said, look, I'm telling you this story so you'll, you'll be a prayerful person and you'll not quit. You'll be in conversation with God. A person, uh, that word again means a person who worships, who doesn't see themselves as the author and creator of their world, who gets up in the morning and says, God, I believe you are and I believe you're not me, right? I am not God, but I am in conversation with the God of the universe and I am going to be a supplicant, a worshiper, a follower. I'm going to be someone who has a constant awareness of your work in this world. And I want to talk to you about what's going on in this world. And I want you to speak to me through your word, right? Through uh, liturgy, through uh, getting together here, through my friends, just so that I can have a spiritually tenacious attitude about your work in this world, and I would join the conversation. Prayerful people. Spiritually tenacious people are prayerful people. And I, I hope you don't think that means, you know, a, a formula, like, you know, hey, I pray before I eat my food, you know, rub-a-dub-dub, -dub, thanks for the grub, yay, God, you know, like some, that's like a prayer, no, it's not a ritual, 
you know? Uh, but rituals reinforce this kind of thing. Somebody says to me, why do you go to church every week? I go, because, hey, uh, my faith has about a seven-day shelf life. You know, it leaks, okay? And I need, I need once again, to, to be uh, assisted in my tenacity, my spiritual tenacity, to not give up. So spiritually tenacious people are prayerful. They're also hopeful, as you can imagine, because they continue to ask, just like this lady, this is not right, but I'm asking to make it right. So you're always looking. You're looking forward. I had a chance to do an interview this last week with a woman who's really a treasure in South Puget Sound. Uh, Most of you probably know of her, even if you don't know her. Uh, She has 250 million books in circulation, okay? That's, that's incredible. I mean, just to give you an idea what that means, her, uh, some of her books, her total uh, body of work, she's been on the New York Times bestsellers list a thousand weeks. She's had 13 books at number one, okay? And she writes women's fiction, and you've probably seen a lot of her stories that have ended up uh, as films, and she's a remarkable woman, and I get to go to church with her in Gig Harbor, And so I interviewed her last week because everybody knows her as this famous, famous author. I attended, uh, Marvely and I, we attended a a reader's weekend where all her readers from all over the world were gathered to hear talk about her process and some of the books and what she's got planned. She's very influential. Uh, She brings um, hope and dignity to her characters. And it's amazing because one of her top uh, groups of readers around the world are in the Middle East, especially in the country of Turkey. Women there are desperate for hope, stories of hope and help and how important they are. And she's just this remarkable uh, grandmother at this stage in her life who's just carries this, this message that she just will not stop telling people how important they are because she believes that God has created every one of us with dignity. But you know, when you see somebody who's famous like that, who's just amazing, right? Who's just got these millions and very few authors have over a hundred million books in circulation, uh, you know, and so she's in one of the top, she, some say with Stephen King, she's one of the most prolific living authors on earth today. And yet when I talked to her, I said, you know, people might get the idea that, man, it was just no problem. She said when she was a child, uh, she was undiagnosed with dyslexia and she didn't know how to read. That when she was in high school, a teacher told her, uh, you'll never amount to anything. That she finally risked telling someone that I I believe that God has called me to be a writer. They said, you know what, you should do something more in line with your intelligence and think about food service. That's what they told her. She wrote four novels, submitted them, uh, you know, to to uh, all the places she knew that would publish them. For five years, she got nothing but rejection letters. Sometimes she said the rejection letters uh, almost miraculously showed up you know, before she even sent the, the manuscript. <laughs> but she would not stop. And she said she believed that God had called her to tell stories to women that they were worth something. And she was gonna go to her grave telling women that they mattered. And she just wouldn't give up. And it, when I interviewed her last week, I said, just tell me some stories about how it went wrong. And she told me all these things. Like, and she said, listen, the thing is, the only thing I did was didn't quit. I just stayed tenacious because it's not right that women would be undervalued in this world. And it was a wonderful opportunity to sit down with her. But she is one of the most hopeful people 
And she's still swinging away. She's swinging away. And it was, a, it was a joy to be at her office, but it reminded me the fact that she said, look, God put a dream in my heart, and I would not give up on it. And she continued to raise her voice. And then, wow, I mean, the rest is history. Remarkable. She's a prayerful and a hopeful person, and that's why I wanted to talk to her, because I wanted to sort of have a conversation with some people who have shown this kind of spiritual tenacity. And the last thing is, uh, not only are spiritually tenacious people prayerful and hopeful, but certainly um, they are loyal. You can imagine, if somebody will never, you know, like, never let go, you know, that's a loyal person, right? Hey, somebody who's tenacious, and they're your friend, they're your friend. You'd be like, hey, man, I really, I let you down. I'm not letting go of you. You can count on me. In fact, you're stuck with me, right? That's tenacity. Spiritual tenacity is the kind of people that won't give up on each other. We're loyal people, all right? Even, even when uh, things get disappointing. And why is that? Because we serve a tenacious God who will not give up on us. I love what it says in Lamentations. The steadfast love of the Lord never never ceases. What is that? It means the steadfast love of the God we serve is tenacious. That's the steadfast, this tenacious love. It never ceases, right? He goes on to say his mercies, what? They never come to an end. They're new every morning. And if, even after the night before, we get up and we say, God, I've, I've, I've messed up. I've acted out on the things that are the worst things about me. And we find out that he won't let go. God won't let go of us. And God's not saying you're going to start over. He's saying you're going to start again. You're going to start again. You, I'm never going to lose my grip on you. We serve a tenacious God, and that's why he calls us to tenacity. One of the fun things I get to do, we have three high schools in our city, and we give out scholarships to you know, high school students uh, every year in each one of the high schools, and we have this big, uh, you know, scholarship uh, assembly, you know, where all the kids get there, and, and all these different companies are giving away scholarships, so we just kind of got in the mix, right? Well, so insurance companies are going, you know, we're giving $500 to a young lady who's a tremendously safe driver, you know, because they're an insurance company, and so they identify somebody, and they give them 500 So we decided, you know, we're going to give, uh, you know, scholarships to, uh, to students that we've noticed have, are, are doing something, you know, in the area of, of reaching out and caring and, you know, justice and all that. So we, we, we find kids that are doing some amazing things. Well, but my favorite scholarship in this whole thing, which lasts a couple hours, right, is this guy who gets up and he goes, and they always say that the name of this scholarship is the, uh, you know, this insurance company or this church or whatever. This guy gets up and the name of his scholarship is, my dad would have chosen you. And he gets up there and he says, my dad had passed away, you know, uh, two decades ago, but we look at a kid that my dad would have chosen. And then he names a kid, come on up, my dad would have loved you. The things you're doing, my dad would think were awesome. And my dad would choose you for this scholarship, and then they give him a check, right? And when I saw that, I thought, you know what? That's what Jesus said about the God we serve. Jesus came to tell us, our Father has chosen you. He's chosen you. And he's not letting go. He's not changing his mind. The steadfast love of the Lord for you never ceases. We serve a tenacious God. And I'm just here once again to remind you 
Our Father has chosen you. And uh, there's nothing you can do, nothing you can say, nowhere you've ever been that would cause God to lose his grasp, to lose his grip on your life. And he wants to call us to be prayerful, hopeful, right? Loyal, helpful people because we understand his heart. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.